You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. I'm Mella Borowski, and this is the Bell Book and Candle Podcast. Thanks for being here with us today. It is an honor to have Tatiara with us. She's been reading tarot cards for over 30 years. She's worked at Renaissance Festival since 1996, and she has worked at Penny Goody's Tarot Reading Booth as well as the Rhythmic Ribbon Booth, where she demonstrated ribbon dancing. That sounds really exciting. She also starred as the fairy princess in the family fantasy stage show Dragon Scales and Fairy Tales with her husband Albion. She does online tarot readings full-time, and she's going to tell you how to reach her for a reading at the end of our episode, and I'll also have that linked in our episode information. So welcome, Tatiara. Thank you for having me, Mella. You're very welcome. So you were given your first tarot deck when you were 15. What did you think and what did you do from there to learn the craft? Well, I was very fortunate to have a wonderful lady named Karen who owned an herb shop and I worked for her. She was a family friend and I learned all about herbs and she gave me the herbal tarot. Oh, wow. So I was um, very early on linking the symbolism of herbs with everything I was learning about the tarot. And she she was my teacher, but it wasn't a formal thing. It was like she taught by example. And, and I it was just like I never felt more myself than when I was in that herb shop with her. So oh, wow. having her be the one to gift me the tarot cards is looking back very special. Yeah, that really is. So you started with that one. I can imagine that over the, what, several decades of doing tarot readings, you've uh, gotten quite a few different decks. Are you a collector? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't have as many as I would like, um, but I stick to my favorite, which is the Witch's Tarot. Mm. There's just something about the pictures on there that speak to me the most, but that's when I'm doing readings for others. I always use that one. When I'm doing for myself, I like the inner child tarot cards. Uh, They're sort of based on fairy tales because I'm very interested in fairy tales and mythology and archetypes and and how they speak to us. Yeah, and the cosmic tribe tarot is very cool too. And at the time, very avant-garde, and I realized that's already 20 years ago. (laughs) So divination, what uses would someone have for divination? What is divination? Well, I see divination like this. It gives you clues to where you're headed and what your probabilities are. And it points the way to what we need to do inside to change those probabilities toward the outcomes that we desire. And um, divination gives us insight, of course, and it uh, points a way so that we can use our power to, to basically um, turn the tide to our ways, toward our will, and toward our highest good. Okay, awesome. I'm sure you've had a lot of experience doing in-person readings, but you also do online readings. Which do you prefer and why? Well, um, I never would have thought I preferred online readings, <laughs> but you know, with <laughs> everything that's happened, COVID, you know, the obvious... Yeah. I had to move my business online because there's no more rent fairs right now or very few. I can't just go down to the coffee shop, you know. So I had to do this. I um, I started with a Halloween psychic fair through CEM Broadcasting, 
affiliated with which school. And I was very happy to have that opportunity as it uh, just showed me really how to, you know, I don't need to ha be right in with the person in order to feel their energy, in order to tap into it. It's, it's exactly the same because it's non-physical energies that you're working with. And speaking of physical, I don't have to worry about my physicality. I mean, I'll have my, my bottled water and that's really all I need. I don't have to worry about if I'm waiting for someone. I have my appointments. And it's, it's in a way, it can be much more intimate rather than being in a public place or a semi-public place. True. So what about those people, and you know they're, they're always there, who say, oh, you can't get a good reading online. What do you say to those people? Well, I, I have to understand where they're coming from because, you know, some people just aren't ready to make a leap to the non-physical in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of surprised when people who you know, resonate with getting a tarot reading in the first place, I feel they should probably have a little bit more of an open mind. And so don't knock it till you try it comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, you would think they would truly be someone that would understand the energy. <laughs> right. I haven't gotten too much pushback on that. I mean, I have clients I've seen in person willing to do it online for me. And mm -hmm. now it's actually given me, an, I have an international client base now, thanks to certain Facebook groups that I was in, that I am in, that are private groups. So I'm very lucky. It's actually helped me expand my business. Oh yeah, that's wonderful. This is a question about tarot reader etiquette. It's not something that I hear people talk about a lot, but is there etiquette that you wish people knew and followed when they came for a reading? Um, well, etiquette might not be the right word as it implies manners, but there are a couple of <laughs> tips. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to be told right away what you want to know. Mm -hmm. I what I generally like to do is I like to get a feel for it, what you want, you know, what your what the cards have to say, and then I I will inquire about your question. It's almost like friends sitting down with a cup of tea, you know. Okay. I I blow your mind first, and then we talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> establishes that rapport and, and I think that when you do something like that they are more inclined to listen to you right and and of course you know it's it's never good when you have someone who's bent on disproving you and just kind of pushing back but I've not had that experience that's just based on a couple of other readers in the past I don't think it's very common I think generally people are sweet and they're they have something they want insight on and most of them are just darling really yeah, I, I see that as true. I do oracle card readings, mm -hmm. and I did those at the museum for a few years for a party that they had, and that's the only time that I had people who just were really trying to be nasty in a way. If someone seeks me out otherwise, they're usually very, very kind about it. But th there was one man who came one time, and I think he just wanted to stump me, and his question to me was, basically prove that there is a god <laughs> and i knew i mean i could tell from his body language and everything that he he had no reason to be sitting there but by the end he actually gave me a hug oh <laughs> but he went he came with the purpose to just really stump me and create a problem but that's all right yeah prove there's a god no pressure you know right <laughs> I guess trolls are not only online. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> I just think the, the formats that I've had and the places I've been sort of made that a little bit less likely. I was actually all set up to start doing readings in the French Quarter in New Orleans, and that might have oh, wow. been 
putting myself out there to the masses, but you know, things changed and I didn't actually ever end up doing that there. Yeah, the parties were usually just random drunk people, so you get a little bit of a different clientele. <laughs> I heard that. See, I have an arsenal of one-liners uh -huh. just just at my disposal, you know, just from being a an alcohol server and a sommelier, and, you know, you have to have a, an arsenal of one-liners when people, they do try to break your composure, as it were. Right. <laughs> so what part does ritual and magic play in your life? Well, I find it to be immeasurably beneficial. You know, life is an ebb and flow, it's an up and down. And when I can tune into the divine, to that essence within, it's like I have strength and fortitude to weather the storms of life. Mm -hmm. And it helps me to keep in touch with my true self and not just the little self that says, what do you think you're doing? Who are you to do this and that? and whatnot. And it helps me to honor the cycles and just to be prepared. And that's, it's almost like it gives me a feeling of preparation, even if I don't exactly intellectually know how it yeah. does it. Just by tuning into the wheel of the year and the new and the full moon. And I'm getting more into the, um, I've always been more into astrology than the average person, but um, being a witch, I, I'm not quite as knowledgeable as I'd like to be. And I've, I've been working to change that. And I find it, it's like, oh, well, it really does explain <laughs> a lot. And I'm very, it's like my newest little interest. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know much about it at all. And, and people talk to me sometimes as though they think because I'm a witch, I know everything about it. And they say, oh, well, I have this and this house and this and this. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I'm not even quite sure what conjunct means, but so when we get off of here, I'm so going to look that up. Right. So ritual and magic, how important is it to ground before engaging in any type really of magical practice? Before and after is so important before it's just more like you're grounding out whatever energy could be in the way like fuzz you know like like the background noise of the mental and psychic body as it were yeah. so that's just kind of tuning into mother earth at the same time because you could draw energy up as well so that's that type of grounding before you start to do what you do to get yourself in that space and then after it's just not I don't think it's taught enough just how important it is to let all that excess energy flow back down into the earth, you know, mm -hmm. and um, refill yourself with more vitality from above and below or whatever works for you. But if you don't ground, cleanse and release, you can really find yourself being spaced out, unable to concentrate, even lightheaded. Because I wasn't, I didn't really put enough stock in grounding, you know, decades ago. And I really would, I found myself being spaced out, just like unfocused Yeah. after rituals. That's why cakes and wine are so important, you know. You can, I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can ground by eating. You can ground by holding the hematite. You can ground by stomping on the earth with your intention. And I usually do a lot of exhalations just down into the earth with, with sort of like a visualization of all the excess energy that doesn't need to be there, just kind of going back down and, and then refilling in a balanced way um, so that I'm like revitalized as well. Yeah, one of my favorite ways to ground is just my bare feet on the earth and, and really doing what you're saying, just pushing the things into it. I'm an empath and so I'm picking up so many things 
even in the winter, and I mean, it doesn't get super cold here in South Carolina, but even in the winter, I'm out there sometimes just taking a walk barefoot just to, to get that grounding that the earth gives me through my bare feet. I love it. I go barefooted all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> me too. Yes, very handy. I know some people have favorite tarot cards, so we're going to skip back to tarot cards for just a moment. My favorite is Temperance, and I don't know why I'm so drawn to that card, but I've even had artists draw versions of it to use as art in my office. There's just something that appeals to me. Is that odd, or do you have a favorite tarot card? Well, first of all, uh, first question first, that's not odd at all. And, you know, Temperance has been called art. And, you know, that's all about mixing the different elements and creating an alchemy of so that you get something that will work for you. It's it's, it's a sort of a balancing card, but it's also been called art. Like I said, it's all about uh, pulling disparate elements together and creating. So I, I love that card, too. But I really I mean, this may sound obvious, but there's just something about the magician card. It just reminds me that. I am a spiritual being having a human experience and I can create the trajectory of my reality, you know, more than I'm told I can. Yeah. I mean, we still have to weather certain storms, but we have that power. And I feel the temperance and magician are sort of linked because the magician has all those elements before him or her, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, the, the pinnacles, the wands, um, the cups and the swords. They're mm-hmm. the four elements, and it's kind of like you're going to bring those elements together using the above and the below energy. That's something very important to me, too, is channeling all the good energies from above and below. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I have to say the magician is what I resonate with as far okay. as looking at the cards. I love that you called temperance uh, about alchemy because... That's so funny. I call myself a spiritual alchemist in some of the things that I do in my in my job. Um, so that's funny that that's also my favorite card. And it's all about the, the alchemy of mixing all the, these different ingredients and things that don't seem to go together. That's awesome. Well, then how fitting that that's the one you're drawn to. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. figured out what your tarot birth cards are so this is a pretty easy way of doing that i'm also going to put the link in the show notes to a website that will give you all the information but basically you take your birthday and you take it down to numbers so my birthday is december 4th 1971 and so that goes down to 12 04 so you would add 12 plus 04, plus 19, plus 71. And I come up with 106. Now, if you come up with the three digits like mine, you would take the first two and add it to the third. So it would be 10 plus six, giving me 16. But if you only come up with two numbers, you just add those together. For instance, if it's a four and a four, you come up with eight. So in my case, I have 16, and then there's a chart that you can look at to find out which card it is, and mine is the tower. And on this website, on labyrinthos.co, it actually tells you what the second card is that goes with it, and so with mine, I have the chariot. So I have the the tower, 
and the chariot. Those are my birth cards, the tarot birth cards. And this is what it says for me. Your path is of restoring balance in the face of transformation. The tower is about revolution, upheaval, rage, and the chariot is about control, balance, and willpower. And it says, yours is the path of restoring balance in the face of violent transformation. In the face of groundbreaking change, it is your sense of balance that will be your guide. The tower destroys foundations and structure ruthlessly in order to reveal a new path forward. But this energy will be guided by the chariot's deliberate and careful control of impulses. I think that's really interesting, especially looking at my life. What's yours? I'd love to hear. So shadow work, that's something that is really important to me because it was a part of my own healing. And I probably talk about shadow work to my clients and my friends so much that they get tired of hearing about it. Like, oh, Mel is going on about shadow work again. But shadow work is so important. And I know that you feel that way too. So what part does shadow work play in your life and work? It is absolutely essential. So, you know, especially for anyone who identifies with well, anyone who's a witch or a pagan or, and you know, there's that little voice inside that says, I'm weird or I'm an outcast. And we really have to give that voice a place at the table and, and give it a use, you know, like let it guide and teach. Because, um, you know, if you don't make friends with the voices in your head that are making you unhappy, they will control things. Right. You know, it's like you have to listen and it's all about that non-judgment and all about that compassion. And it's not something that has been taught to us, you know, because I mean, our well-meaning parents and insti- not so well-meaning institutions tell us, don't do this, don't do that when we're young. And the things we put in there, yes, they might be negative sides of ourselves, but we also end up putting in qualities that we can reclaim and we reclaim as they say, the gold from the shadow. Yeah. We are going to be able to tap in and live our life in a more full expression of our true self, you know, and there's just so much there that we can transform again, alchemize. Mm -hmm. So I, I just feel like it's absolutely essential that, that one does their shadow work and realizes that it's a slow process. And you have to be patient with yourself and like love yourself. And you know, when you're, you're going to sit down and have tea and love your demons. And that's hard to accept. And I don't mean like, okay, la la la, hurry up and make them disappear. That's not really love. You're going to really want to get in there and, and just really listen to what your triggers are trying to tell you, you know, like stare at them until they speak. And you might be doing shadow work your whole life in some form. So how does shadow work play into the whole love and light mentality that's so prevalent today? All right. Well, see, I'm all about love and light, and that is the final goal, but it is only half the picture. Mm. Because the more we seek the light, the more we're going to see shadows. It's just science. (laughs) And the more 
sadly, we're going to be attuned to the evils of the world. You know, by becoming enlightened, we're not like sitting in the garden, happy la-la. Yeah. I mean, we are we are really going to be required even more to visit that darkness. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, I was very influenced by and adore, you know, the New Age movement. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, and there's still plenty of stuff that does go deep within it, but the average popular um, New Age practices, they don't really take you there. It's all about thinking positively, and that's great, but it's, it's again, um, it can lead us to bypass our pain. It can lead us to bypass feeling. Everything must be felt in the end, or it's gonna to attach to your pain body, to quote Eckhart Tolle. And it's very important that those who are working are light workers. You have to deal with that shadow. You have to put everything in its own place. And I just feel like those things are exacerbated with people who are on a spiritual path. It's like the dark side of having a spiritual path, but it's really not as scary as it sounds. It's just that we haven't been shown the importance of it as much. And so one day the person who's been thinking positive all their life suddenly has a, a crazy breakdown. It's all part of the process too. Right. You just gotta love it, love it into understanding. I think a lot of people, they're in a community perhaps that's influenced by the the positivity movement, the love and light, and it has its place. But I think that if if you feel like that's all that you should have in life, you you become inauthentic because you feel like you have to just put a you know a big smile on and be all happy all the time, and that's not at all what real life is about. And that creates shadows. Mm -hmm. That not yeah. being inauthentic authentic with your own emotions will create more shadows. And it's, yes, we have times when we need to be positive, when we don't feel it, you know, and then yeah. we need to yeah. take a, you know, like at, at work or whatever we have to do. But then we need to take that time to process what we really feel, mm -hmm. you know, because inauthenticity is no way to live. And you will eventually be called to look at that side of yourself. It's going to keep coming up until it's acknowledged and healed. Yeah, you'll be forced to do it in a way that you didn't choose. Whereas if you go ahead and start working on stuff now, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit easier. <laughs> right. If you don't willingly go to the underworld, you will be dragged there kicking and screaming. Yes, you will. So I think in some ways, I mean, I use positivity all the time. I do hypnosis with people and we want to put positive thoughts as we rewire their brain. But I also think that positivity can become toxic just like anything. So yeah, that's definitely something to, to think about of having a balance, really. I mean, the world and nature is about balance. We should have a balance of that sort of thing in our lives as well, I think. Absolutely, and it's not exactly simple either. It's like a journey we have to you know, constantly be with on ourselves because of course we want our positive, um, we want optimism, we want our positive affirmations, we want what we're aiming for and our highest right. good to guide. But um, like I said, that just really requires even more introspection. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yes, love and light is the goal, the end yeah. goal. It's half the picture. I mean, we got to go down to the depths. And, you know, a lot of spiritual practices, there's some, they don't really acknowledge the body. Hmm. And that's symbolized, you know, by the divine feminine. And that's yeah. that downward motion. And the bottom chakras are just as important, if not more so, than the upper chakras. 
And you know, it's like her, she lives in the first chakra. She comes up from the depths, you know, and she goes down to the depths. And that is where we feel what we feel. It's like, if you just put your hands on your, you know, whether you're a man or woman, either your womb or your womb space, that area, that's where a lot of emotion and pain gets stored. Oh yeah. And the more movement and going into our body, you know, the more we can actually access that where, you know, certain, and I love regular meditation. I do that too. And it's like the above it all kind of meditation, but you really got to have both because we are human organic beings and we can bring soul in to this world, but we have to do it through the vehicle of the temple of our body. Yeah. And, and talking about that root chakra and sacral chakra, I mean, that's getting into being grounded and centered as well that you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. So important. And it's like, that's funny that you say that because really in the end, we do want to ground our spirituality into our lives. And that's, it's like a form of manifestation, you know, just to, it, it affects our, it comes through our eyes, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and our being when we, mm-hmm have all of our chakras valued equally. And, um, you know, for lack of a better term, chakras, energy centers, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like having that polarity of above and below the heights, the depths within, without all tuned to our highest good. And that includes listening to everything. Yeah. And I, I feel like the energy that is circling in our bodies, it kind of makes sense to me that if you stop it up kind of at the base, that, you're not going to get the most um, connection with, let's say, crown center or third eye if you're kind of stopped up at the lower end of it. Because it's if you think of it like a swirling river, t- I don't know, that's kind of how I see it. It makes sense to me that you have to work on the bottom stuff to even truly get something out of the top stuff. Oh, absolutely. And you know, if you're having issues with your first chakra, you're having issues with feeling like you have a right to be here, Mm -hmm. you know, and they can manifest in, you know, survival issues Mm. and things like that. And it's really where a lot of our self-worth feelings are located, you know, in the first, second, third chakra, our power abilities, our worth, you know, can we manifest what we're our highest aspirations of something that helps the world, helps us. Yeah. You know? And do we even deserve it? Exactly. That's very important. And that just leads back to that shadow work. Yeah, definitely. This is really great. So tell me what Pagan World is. What's your affiliation and what is it? Oh, wonderful. Okay. So um, currently it's still Pagan.World as an Indiegogo campaign. And what we are accomplishing here is a pagan directory so that people who are vendors, people who are seekers, um, we want to be able to connect people. You know, we want to make this, let's say, this opportunity that COVID has presented to really increase our online capability for finding one another. And when it's over, it'll be very good for a local resource to find your local pagans here and there. And um, Oberon Zell is affiliated with it. The first uh, person to ever use the word pagan as a, um, you know, publicly. Okay. And and so it's, it's, we're in the beta stage right now. And if you'd like it to check out the beta stage, it's paganworld.co. And um, I'm on there and a lot of other wonderful people throughout Witch School and Ed Hubbard. He's just a, a wonderful man. And um, 
Reverend Don Lewis for the Corellian tradition. I joined the Corellian tradition. I've always been a uh, eclectic, solitary. I did have my small coven, but we all moved away and grew mm. up. And, and just the Corellian tradition, I, I've never read anything I disagree with, and I've really been looking for community. I'm not going to deny that I've been lonely, you know, for, yeah. <laughs> for other witches, and I just love them so much. And I really find that Pagan World is a wonderful endeavor that, you know, can help bring people together. And I'm going to be doing a course on shadow work through uh, Pagan World in March. Mm. And I'm going to focus on some how-to, but, you know, shadow work for the magical psyche. Mm. And I want to focus on some actual experiential practices and maybe even some archetypal embodiment and some spells, as well as a lot of other mind food, you know, to talk about it. So That sounds amazing. And that'll come with a supporting membership. And there are lots of other courses and and wonderful people going to be doing their offerings It's just something worth checking out. You know, if you're a pagan at home on your computer and there aren't any festivals going on right now, this is a good way to help connect for the future and just to keep it going for the future. So it sounds like this is almost like Witch Vox used to be. Exactly. And this is a purposeful attempt to fill that void. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I know a lot of people were heartbroken when, when that went away. Right. So anyone who wants to be listed, please just uh, go and check it out and see if it feel feel within and see if it's something that feels right for you. Because though we're at the beginning, there it happened fast and there's a lot of people interested and it's going to keep growing. Okay, that sounds great. I'm going to check it out myself. So y'all, paganworld.co, y'all check it out too. And maybe we can even hook up there and um, hook up with... Uh, Tatiara there as well. So how can someone get a reading from you? Well, um, two different ways. You can um, go right to my website, um, tarotwithtatiara.com. Hit the schedule a reading button and it's all by Zoom, PayPal, whatever. It's very easy. Or you can just uh, see me on Facebook, like and share the page, and then you can hit shop now and that'll take you right there as well. And I have a pretty open schedule and I love giving readings for people. It helps me too. Oh, beautiful. Well, Tatiara, it has been a blessing to have you here on this podcast. So thank you so much. Any final thoughts for us? Well, I've so enjoyed this very much. And and, and just remember, you know, when things look a little bit murky, there's always some kind of hope. You know, there's always Mm -hmm. some kind of chance to change your trajectory. And so in the end, though all my shadow work, I still cling to that optimism and you should too. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Words to live by. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I've so enjoyed this and thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. So y'all be sure to show love to our guests by visiting their websites, checking out their social media. And if it's something that you'd like to do, you can even get a reading from Tatiara. And don't forget that you can always send me comments or questions by clicking on the link to send a little voice message to me. And I might just use it on one of our episodes. So y'all be blessed. Thank y'all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.